Or you want to run the story? You got five hours until eight o'clock. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Weekend Review. Here's your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome to the Collegian Weekend Review. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And this is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Today we'll be hearing from Victoria Wagner about why the U.S. should have boycotted the Winter Olympics. Um, You'll also be hearing from me on the Academy for Science and Freedom in D.C., Then we'll be hearing from Megan Williams. Um, She'll be talking about the sale of an industrial park in the city of Hillsdale, as well as Cheer Season 2 on Netflix. And then finally, we'll be hearing from Nikayla Sampson and her experience transferring from West Point to Hillsdale. And finally, we'll finish up with a review on sports from this week. And now we have Victoria Wagner, a freelancer for the Collegian. Victoria, tell us about your piece in the opinion section. I wrote about the Olympics in China being held in China um, when recently China has come under fire for many reasons, um, including putting people in uh, concentration camps and um, having some disagreements with Taiwan. This was actually my first piece, um, and I saw it on the board as an option, and I thought, you know what, that sounds interesting. I've brought this up to my friends several times recently, so... I thought, why not try and write about it? Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on why the U.S. should have boycotted the Olympics. We technically are in one way, but also not in another. So we're doing what's called a diplomatic boycott, um, which means we're not sending our officials or, you know, like high up people to the Olympics. Um, but we're still sending our athletes to the Olympics. Um, and in my opinion, you know, if this is anything like you know things that we've boycotted the olympics in the past so um for you know during world war ii and um all of that i don't necessarily think we should have sent our people to the olympics um you know especially considering we've sent military people or like you know strike carrier groups to the south china sea might not be the safest idea to send you know our best athletes so that's kind of my thoughts on that (laughs) What would you say to someone who has an opposing opinion to uh, your thoughts in this piece? Um, You know, that's perfectly fine to have those opinions. I just don't necessarily think we should be supporting a country or giving them, you know, revenue streams or, you know, viewing ability or positive attention when they have literally millions of people in concentration camps for the reason that they are you know, minorities or Muslims in this case. So, you know, not necessarily, I don't think we should be giving our stamp of approval for that. Yeah. And I've heard the argument that it's a good idea to send our athletes so that we can beat them and, you know, sort of show them that we can still do that. But what are your thoughts on that argument? Um, With that argument, I would say, I don't necessarily know if athletes is the way to go about showing them that we're better than them or even if that is something that needs to be done um yeah all right well thank you for coming on victoria yes thank you for having me you're listening to the collegian week in review i'm here with maddie welsh my co-host of the show and also the assistant editor for city news maddie do you mind telling me a little bit about the article that you wrote this week 
Yeah, so I wrote a piece in the news section about the Academy for Science and Freedom. Um, this is a new project in, it's based in the D.C. Uh, campus of Hillsdale, but it's just sort of a project that is dedicated to bringing truth back into scientific discourse. That's what they say their mission is. They started the project last year uh, as a response to the way that the media was treating information about COVID-19 and especially about um, you know, infection rates and death rates and vaccine um, efficacy and, and such. So they're really just wanting to look into, you know, the data and the truth about scientific issues, not just COVID, but obviously COVID is a big one in the world right now. Um, and just, you know, be dedicated to sharing the truth. In your article, you mentioned that they are hosting this event with healthcare expert Scott Atlas. Do you mind telling me a little bit more about his position in this event? Yeah, so Scott Atlas is one of the three founding fellows of the uh, Academy for Science and Freedom. So he is not just a healthcare expert, he's an MD. Um, he's a fellow at this academy and he's also a fellow at Stanford University. The other fellows at the academy are Jay Bhattacharya, who is also a professor of medicine at Harvard, as well as Martin Koldorf, who is the director of the Brownstone Institute, as well as a former professor of medicine at Harvard. After reading the article, it is apparent that COVID is one of their biggest concerns. Do you mind telling me a little bit more about this and what exactly their concerns are regarding COVID-19? Yeah, absolutely. So at the event that um, Dr. Atlas spoke at that this piece is about, um, he was talking about how the media especially has really spread misinformation about COVID-19 and everything that has to do with the pandemic. So his, the whole point of his speech was just to present the data, the actual facts of the case, um, you know, what actually came from lockdowns happening and how most of it was negative and really didn't, you know, achieve the purposes that they were hoping to achieve. So he really was just sharing that the media sort of latches on to ideas that, you know, they think are true and they think what's happen it's what's happening. But the problem is with something like COVID is that we're finding out new information all the time, right? So when you latch on to little pieces of information like the media has tended to do, uh, you sort of lose your way with the truth. Um, and he was also really talking about how with COVID, people have been politicizing science. And he spoke, um, and Dr. Bhattacharya spoke, as, and I also spoke to Dr. Young, who's professor of chemistry at the college. And they all said um, similar things about how frightening it is really that science is being so politicized, you know, because science is just supposed to be a tool to discover the truth and discover, you know, the way things actually are. Um, and it should not be a tool to, you know, coerce people to do things and, and such. What exactly is Hillsdale College's role in this? Yeah, so president of the college, Larry Arn, um, was involved in sort of bringing the fellows together and getting this project started. In the future, they are also looking at um, getting Hillsdale College science professors involved in the work of the academy. Um, and then, of course, they are based in the D.C. area. All right. Thank you for sharing.
The Collegian Week in Review continues. And here we have Megan Williams, the Assistant Opinions Editor for The Collegian. Megan, tell me about this piece that you wrote in the City News section. So, uh, Mayor Adam Stockford was able to work on selling a large portion of land in Hillsdale's Industrial Park. Um, he was working with a local realtor, Christy Plemons, and they sold 130 acres, 180 acres, to two different buyers. Um, from One is from within the city, the other one is from outside of it. What did Stockford have to say about this deal? Uh, Stockford actually said that it was the biggest land deal in Hillsdale's history. He was very excited to be putting the land back into private hands um, so that the city no longer had to use taxes to maintain it and that it could also create tax revenue for the city so that they could put that money towards improving roads and doing other service projects around Hillsdale. So what are the private buyers going to be using this land for? Uh, One of the buyers is the one that bought 30 acres. Um, They are still deciding what they're going to be doing with the land. Um, When I talked to them, Stoll Construction is the one that is working with the buyer to help build it. Um, The people at Stoll Construction said they were planning on creating a housing development right now, but they were still deciding exactly what they were going to do with it. And then the other buyer, Rolling Farms LLC, uh, is planning on waiting a couple of years before they decide what to do with the land because they want to make sure that they get to know the Hillsdale community um, and are able to figure out exactly what would benefit the people here best. Tell me a little bit about your piece on Cheer Season 2. So Cheer is a Netflix docuseries that was released in March of 2020, the first season was, and it follows the Navarro Community College competitive cheer team. Um, They compete every year at a national championship in Daytona, Florida, and uh, this team specifically is one of the most successful competitive cheer teams of all time. They have won 14 national championships under their coach, Monica Aldama. Um, So season two followed the same team after their rise to fame because the docuseries Over Quarantine became a big hit, very similar to the success of Tiger King. Um, So the second season followed them after their fame and through a couple issues that they were dealing with um, this past year and followed them again to the championship in Daytona Beach. How did you get into cheer? Uh, I was actually over quarantine. I was at home because we got sent home from school. Um, And I was, after I watched Tiger King, I was looking for something else to watch on Netflix. And so I started watching Cheer because I'm really into the Netflix docuseries. I enjoy them a lot. Um, And so I started watching it then. So I was very excited when season two came out in December, in January. So what were your thoughts on the season that you talked about in this piece? I thought season two of Cheer was incredible. The directors of season two actually did a really good job addressing a lot of the controversies that the fan base of Cheer wanted them to. So they addressed the trial and the conviction of one of of the former Navarro Cheer leaders. His name was Jerry Harris. Um, And they also addressed the rise to fame that a lot of the cheerleaders on the team experienced um, and how that affected the team dynamic as well as their practices going into the season. So they did a really good job giving us a behind the scenes look of all of the trials that this cheer team was going through as they tried to go to the national championship again. Does this cheer team have any big rivals? 
Yes. So actually, the Navarro cheer team is from uh, Corsicana, Texas, which is a small town in the middle of Texas. Um, and their biggest rival is actually only 20 miles down the road in Athens, Texas. They go to Trinity Valley Community College. And this season two actually followed Trinity Valley a lot closer than they did in season one, which is really interesting because you got a more well-rounded view of the entire competition that was going to be happening in Daytona Beach. So we were able to meet a lot of the standout cheerleaders from Trinity Valley, as well as learn a lot more about their coaches um, and see the different coaching styles between the two teams, as well as how the Netflix series specifically portrayed Trinity Valley in sort of an underdog um, light, even though Trinity Valley refused to refer to themselves as one. And so it was really interesting seeing that contrast as well as Trinity Valley kind of gear up to try to beat Navarro at the championship in 2021. Who won the competition? Uh, I can't say that. Otherwise, I'd be spoiling it. You'll have to figure it out for yourself. Well, thanks for coming on, Megan. Thank you. Radio Free Hillsdale's The Collegian Week in Review continues. With me today is Nikayla Sampson, a transfer student from West Point. Nikayla, how are you doing today? Hi, Lauren. I'm doing great. First and foremost, do you mind telling me why you transferred from West Point to Hillsdale College? Oh, definitely. I left because the United States Army and West Point has implemented an illegal vaccine mandate for the COVID-19 vaccine. Well, it's not technically illegal anymore, but when they ordered me to get it in September 27th of 2021, the only vaccine available was non-FDA approved, and they did not provide for us another alternative. And so they gave us two options, either to get the vaccine or sign a paper saying that you are refusing the order or apply for a religious exemption or medical exemption, which all of them have been denied. So there's really no point in applying for one when we already knew they were going to get denied. So I was between a rock and a hard place. That's why I left. You declined the vaccine. How were you treated because of that? Well, treatment at first didn't really, it, it wasn't really significant. But then over the summer, we were separated by vaccination status. Um, and I was in field training. I was put in a platoon, which is about 35, 36 people of all unvaccinated cadets, even our leadership, our squad leaders um, were unvaccinated. We were separated physically because we were put in a tent that was roughly half a mile away from all the other cadets. We had to wear a mask inside, outside. They even told us to keep our masks on until we were in our beds. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, masks have been proven consistently over and over again to not work. So the fact that they made us wear one inside and outside in the hot summer was ridiculous. Um, I had to live, there were four unvaccinated girls, including myself, and then there were like 30 or so unvaccinated boys. And this tent is built for 20 people. So we were all kind of stuffed in there all together, and we had to put a tarp on the ceiling to separate boys and girls. It was rather awkward in the beginning, but then we got used to it. And once the complaints were running through about us living in these terrible, ridiculous conditions, we got moved into a bay which is a regular trailer that all the other cadets were in. But it was still separate from everyone because, God forbid, we get within, you know, six feet of anyone who's clean. Tell me a little bit more about your experience transferring from West Point to Hillsdale College. What has that been like for you? Is Hillsdale sort of a breath of fresh air compared to West Point? What has that experience been like for you? 
Oh, Hillsdale is the biggest breath of fresh air. This place is so normal. And it's sad that I have to say that because the rest of the world really isn't or the rest of America really isn't anymore. Um, Hillsdale reminds me of the way I grew up. And it reminds me of everything that I believe in and everything that I thought West Point stood for, but soon discovered that it was the opposite of what they stood for. So, yeah, everyone here is extremely nice. I was incredibly shocked at the amount of, hey, we should schedule lunch or do you want to meet me here for lunch? As if like we were doing business talks or whatever. I thought, wow, everyone here is so professional and so well spoken. I love it. I understand that you have a few friends at West Point who also declined the vaccine and some of which are actually coming to Hillsdale next semester. Do you mind telling me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So my friends, Kurt, who are currently still at West Point, um, all of them have some sort of demerit on their name. They're all in trouble in some way. Um, Actually, yesterday, the Army just came out saying that they're about to remove all unvaccinated soldiers. And they typed it in. um, My friend texted that into the group chat yesterday. And I was just so shocked. I had to pray for them because I'm terribly. I remember being there when there was no rumor of getting kicked out. I mean, there was rumor, but it wasn't serious. But now the Army has actually said it and they're actually going to do it. And usually rumors in the Army are true. So my friends are expecting to either get kicked out. And we already had we were already put in a corner with this decision and now they're they're getting backed into a corner even more because they really have no choice at this point. They're going to get kicked out if they don't get this vaccine. Um, I feel really bad for them. I really do. When did people start coming to you about your story and your experience at West Point regarding the vaccine mandates? Yeah, so on September 27th is when the order was given. I was gone on October 27th, so exactly a month later. And then after we left, two weeks after we left, we had articles written about us, my friend Hannah and me and my friend Willow. Um, Fox News asked us to come on the Sean Hannity show, and then we went on his show, and that was an experience. But before that, we had a Gateway Pundit article written about us, and the chief of staff here at Hillsdale, um, Mr. Michael Harner, read that article and contacted us individually, telling us that we should apply Um, and saying that we have a spot if we want it. Now, my friends and I were very, very overjoyed by this because we were very depressed after leaving West Point. We had no idea what we were going to do. We just got kicked out of college, basically. We didn't really get kicked out. We We chose to leave. Like, um, at the end of the day, we chose to leave. But we felt forced out because our life was going to be surrounded by the army. We were going to be officers. We had a whole career. The next 20 20 years of my life was, like, planned out in my head, and then it was gone in a month. So this there was this was truly a blessing from God above because there's no way I could have ever I I would have ever thought to apply to Hillsdale. I barely even knew about it. I knew one person here barely. Um and then I actually discovered the school in its in depth when we were contacted and I was just ecstatic that this place existed. I almost didn't believe it was real. This this that this place just so normal, so grounded and and to be quite honest, it is a conservative Christian school, something I, that you could really never find in essence in America. So this was truly a blessing. Thank you for coming on the show today, Nikayla. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Collegian Week in Review. This week in sports, women's track and field won two meets at home. Men's track and field also had a win in one meet and a third place finish in the other. They'll compete again at the Mayo Invite on February 4th and 5th. 
Men's tennis is preparing for their spring season after some historic performances last year when they won the GMAC and made it to the NCAA tournament for the first time ever. Men's basketball had a win this week that took them up to a five-game streak, and Charger Swim finished out their regular season at an invitational meet at Butler University and are now preparing for their conference championships in a few weeks. This is the Collegian Week in Review. Thank you for listening to the Collegian Week in Review with your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. Some articles that we did not cover in today's episode include a Q&A session with Michael Ward, C.S. Lewis scholar, and also an article about the college buying land in California, planning an educational center. You can find The Collegian on Instagram at hdellecollegian, or you can also find us online at hillsdalecollegian.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Collegian Weekend Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.